1: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy.
2: And uh, yeah, the regular guy is uh, in a regular traffic jam on uh, I-71 outside of Louisville. So we're kind of winging this one a little bit. I wanna thank my producer D. He's gonna kinda of walk me through this and uh uh make sure that we, we get all of our, our guests okay. Our guests uh will uh start off with with uh Jenny Reese uh, from the Louisville Courier Journal. Uh then we're gonna to go to our uh West Coast representative, uh, award winning writer and broadcaster Jay Privman, and then uh Dan Ilman with the uh with the Daily Racing Forum was on with us several weeks ago, um, is going to come on. So we've pretty much got the, the West Coast with Prisman, the middle of the country with uh, with Jenny, and uh, we've got the East Coast uh, with Dan Hellman covered. So uh, it is the Kentucky Oaks, Kentucky Derby show. So either way, this is going to be special. Now, just so you know, it looks like there will be a lot of farriers equipping the horses with flippers instead of horseshoes over the weekend. Right now, uh, in Louisville, they are saying for tomorrow, for Oaks Day, there's a 30% chance of rain, but they're saying that that might be more like pop-up showers, so uh, no guarantee for that. What they're pretty darn sure of is we're looking at a 70% chance of rain on Saturday and particularly in mid to late afternoon. So uh, adjust your handicapping accordingly, which is going to be kind of interesting, and I'll have to check with my guests and see, you know, what they feel about this, because so many horses today, between uh, the synthetic surfaces and uh, uh, just the fact that they've been following the good weather, have not raced on off-tracks. I did make note of the ones that have, and I'm sure my guests have, too, so it'll be interesting to, to bring that to your attention. Um, let's start off, of course, with the uh, Oaks. Oh, here's some late-breaking news, too. John Velasquez, we've been talking about his return from injury, and he was supposed to make his, uh, shall I say, debut back in the saddle after almost three weeks yesterday, while well, his horse scratched. Uh, just recently, coming up here, listening to the radio in uh, beautiful Louisville, they say that uh, John Velasquez had one mount at Belmont today and finished dead last. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he is riding fit to take on two of racing's biggest races, both the Oaks and the Derby, where he's... Probably on the favorite in the Oaks and could be on the second favorite in the Kentucky Derby. Now, uh, with the Oaks, we're looking at, uh, uh, an 11 horse field. And of course he is on, uh, Dreaming of Julia, who's currently installed at three to one. And, uh, you know, Dreaming of Julia coming off that huge wind down in Florida, um, is installed as the favorite, but, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of horses. ricked right behind her. Uh, Midnight Lucky is at ninety-two. Beholder, who I saw school in the paddock today, uh, with Richard Mandela, just looked fantastic. Um, so Beholder is at seven to two, uh, undefeated, unlimited budget. Is at seven to two at three to one. We're uh, looking at uh, Jimmy Julius as the favorite. Close Hatches on the outside at six to one. So that's that's the Kentucky Oaks, again, a field of 11, uh, and that is tomorrow. It's going to go off at 545. Now, uh was that the uh, draw yesterday uh, for uh, the Kentucky Derby. I won't go through all 20 uh, post positions, but uh, drawing the rail, which uh, pretty much since 1948 I think has been the kiss of death, uh, Black Onyx uh, picked up that one. And on the outside is... Number 20 is Vijack. So Vijack does have a little bit of, uh, slop pedigree going for him, which, uh, which might turn out to help. So, uh, that's a, a look at the, the post positions there, uh, some of the, uh, the, the key horses. Of course, Golden Sense, uh, drew a nice post, uh, the eight post. Uh, his, uh, connections were, were very happy with where he landed. He's currently at five to one. Barrazano, the undefeated horse again with the Laskins in the saddle is at four to one. And then Orb, who uh Mike Pitaglia, who was a guest with us just two weeks ago, was installed as the favorite at seven to two. Uh again, post position except for Black Onyx and Vijack, probably not too much of a of a situation. Uh things that we're that we're going to be uh you know looking for. Uh, in, in the race, of course, Doug O'Neill going for two in a row. Uh, last year, it was uh, I'll have another. This year, it's uh, it's Golden Sense. Uh, we uh, commented last week, Kevin Krieger, uh, not since 1902, has a black jockey won this race, and that would be quite a historic event should he get the job done. I got a chance to sit next to his father during the draw yesterday, and uh, just what a class act. Uh, very, very nice family. So uh, a lot of people will be pulling up for him. And then, of course, uh, Rick Patino has an interest in Bolden Sense. I don't think he owns a whole lot, but nonetheless, his name is on the horse and he has been on a bit of a roll. So uh, other angles in there that we'll be looking at is that uh, 72-year-old Dwayne Lucas has not one, but two horses in the race. Uh, he's got Will Take Charge, horse that does not like the off-going. And uh, then he has Oxbow, who's going to be ridden by uh, Gary Stevens, who has won this race three times. Of course, he's coming out of his six-year retirement. Got an I- interesting um, kind of uh, comment in, in the media center today. They made an announcement talking about uh, Dr. Larry Bromwich. Uh, you've probably heard of uh, Dr. Bromwich in the past. He's the one that always... Uh, uh, is on site in case a horse is injured or to make, uh, give information about, uh, uh, health issues with horses. Well, it looks like Dr. Brownmitch himself has a health image. He was running around. There we go. How about that? Nice. Yeah, you know you're in Carrollton, Kentucky. The trains are going by, baby.
3: Yeah.
2: Is this, is this live radio or is this live radio? You gotta love it. Anyhow, as soon as that uh, train gets by, and he's pretty much uh, past the McDonald's uh, now. Uh, Dr. Bramlage uh, was in a golf cart accident this afternoon and uh, actually fell out of the cart, hit his head, and was unconscious. Uh, He has been taken to a hospital in Louisville. Uh, They say that he uh, he was conscious by the time that the ambulance did get there. Um, But uh, uh, we'll find out. I'm not sure who's going to cover for him on the television shows. Maybe, uh, maybe Jay Prittman can, uh, can give us a little inside information on that. Okay. Well, uh, last week we had, uh, Tom Quigley on with us, uh, helping us handicap out there, uh, especially with the races from, from Hollywood Park. We'll take a look at some of those results. We looked at the, uh, the malaire, uh, the fourth race at Hollywood Park and, uh, when we said they had to get, get beat, at least I did, was doing hard time again. Uh, Rafael Bayerano, uh, riding for Jerry Hollendorfer, and in fact, got the job done at uh, odds on at 340. Quigley, he liked, uh, Sweet Marini as the second horse, and Sweet Marini did get the job done, so that ended up being a, a short price, but nonetheless a winning ponies exacted, paid, uh, $11. From there, we went to the feature race of the day out at, at Hollywood Park, and that was the Snow Chief a mile and an eighth, $300,000. The winner? The Killer Bees. That's right. Bob Baffert and Rafael Beorano. How did this horse get overlooked? Surf Cup uh, paid $12 to win in the Snow Chief. Second was the two Fighting Hussar. The horse that we said was the horse for course. And uh, third was Omega Star, trained by John Sheriff. So that was the the West Coast horse is there. Then we went to Belmont Park, and we talked about a horse that's been awful flat of late, and that was flat out. Tried to bet against flat out. Well, that was a bad idea. Ended up paying 770. flat out. Gets the job done. Of course, what we did say was he was back home at the track where he loves. He is now undefeated at Belmont Park. Four starts, four wins, four flat out. He takes the grade three Westchester. Uh, second was number two cross-traffic. And third, uh, was the worst I kind of liked, making a, a return off a year layoff Rattlestake Bridge. Uh, then we come to the uh, the Derby trial uh, at Churchill Downs, and the winner was <laughs> Todd Fletcher and Joel Rosario, who, after setting records at Keeneland, just continues to win races, and he's winning them again at Churchill Downs right now. Forty tails uh, paid $8.20. And, uh, bested his stable mate, uh, Capo Bestone, if I'm pronouncing that right. So Todd Pletcher runs 1-2 in the Derby trial and finishing third was the 2 ruler of love. Uh, so that's a look at, at the races that we, that we handicapped last week. Again, let's take a look at, uh, uh, interesting uh, angles in the Kentucky Derby. We've got, uh, some uh, people that certainly know each other here, whether or not you know it, Kenny McPeak, when he started out training, actually his first job was that as a hot walker for none other than Shug McGahey And, uh, of course, uh, many people probably uh, know that uh, that Todd Fletcher, when he started out in the business, started out under the tutelage of D. Wayne Lucas. Uh, again... The weather reports are 30% chance of rain tomorrow and 70% on Saturday for the Derby. So adjust your handicapping accordingly. Uh, our guests again tonight, we're going to have uh, Jenny Reese coming up first. Then at the bottom of the hour, Jay Privman. And uh, in the third spot, we're going to have Dan Illman from the, uh, from the Daily Racing Form. Uh, don't forget the uh, Churchill will, will be having uh, early posts, and um, you want to, uh, I believe, uh, 1045 will be the first post on Derby Day. Um, so let's take a, a look also at the, the undercard on, on Derby Day. Uh, we're going to have the uh, Grade 3 Twin Spires Turf Sprint. That will be run as the sixth race. Then the, uh, grade one Humana Disc Staff will be run as the seventh race. The grade two Churchill Turf Mile will be run as the eighth race. And then the 79th running of the Churchill Downs Grade Two $400,000 added. And, uh, then we've got the Woodward Reserve that's going to bring out last year's Horse of the Year, Wise Dan. And he's going to take on point of entry. Then there'll be the Kentucky Derby and there'll be two races after that. So that's kind of a look at the schedule for Saturday on Derby Day. Well, what do you say here on Winning Ponies? We, uh, we, we take a little break and when we come back. Hopefully we'll have Jenny Reese from the Louisville Courier Journal.
1: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off. What can't make it to the track?
0: the Voice America Sports Network. In the opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Thought goes O'Neill. He's has the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here.
1: From high school to the pros, we <laughs> cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
2: All right, and with me, one of my favorite uh, writers, one of my favorite people in the world, one of my favorite storytellers, the one, the only multiple Eclipse Award-winning writer, Jenny Reese from the Louisville Courier-Journal. Jenny, how are you? I saw you today. You look like uh, you had already gone eight rounds with Muhammad Ali. This has got to be a tough week for you.
3: Yeah, well, last week, I, I mean, last, yesterday when you saw me, I looked even worse, but today was actually a pretty good day. All I can say is, John, thank you for putting me in front of Jay Tridman because he is so articulate and so, um, you know, insightful that I'm glad I don't have to follow him.
2: Well, he'd probably say the same thing about you, I got a feeling, Jenny. Well, you know, this, uh, this, this derby, first of all, you know, we'll get into handicap and ask about your picks later, but... I think for you as an award-winning writer, I mean, this thing is just ripe with stories. In the first part of the first section, I alluded to the stories of guys that work for each other, that, you know, Kenny McPeak, his first job was a hot water walker for Suge, and the fact that Pletcher worked for D. Wayne Lucas, Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that uh, Kevin Krieger became the first black jockey since 1902 to win a race. D. Wayne Lucas, a guy some people have written off at seventy-two years old, has two shots in the Derby. I mean, you got to 77 be
3: seventy-seven years old. Story. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There's some great storylines, and I think the one because I heard that segment. What you're saying about, um, you know, sort of you know Pletcher being the you know coming up under Lucas. Pletcher, though, now is like Coach K. Kraszewski. He's um transcended. It's still part of the biography. It's still part of the story that you know Wayne was one of his mentors as was his, his dad. But also, he has gone on now. He has his own sort of coaching tree that you know, when you think of Coach K now, you think of how many titles he's putting, you know, on the map. We think, well, he's a Bobby Knight protege. As an IU grad. I can appreciate that. Um, the A huge story if Wayne Lucas at seventy seven would be the oldest trainer ever to win the Derby. And he gets on his pony every set and goes out there on the track. It's unbelievable. And he's seventy two. He's seventy seven. He's seventy seven. That's what I'm telling you. He Charlie Winningham was the oldest at seventy three and then again at seventy six when he won with Sunday Song. Wayne is seventy seven.
2: Unbelievable.
3: And there was a time when Wayne was maybe a little sensitive. Maybe when he was like in his mid-60s. He's not now. I think he understands. It's so remarkable what he does. He's out there. You know, I get out here early. I can't get out here early enough to beat him to the track. No, and I couldn't get my leg over a horse, and he rides one every day. Exactly, exactly. And his only concession to age is he does use a step to get on his pony. You know, in the day he didn't; he just hopped up. But he does use a step now. Okay, you know, when you're in your seventies, you're allowed to do that.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I um, think so. Let's cut him a break there.
3: That's right. The other thing is, interesting is has been in this chat like a really long time, and he knows, especially Derby week, because when the Derby horses go out at eight thirty. Well, this was up for 15 minutes, and theoretically it's 8.15, but it's never 8.15. It's always 8.30, because horses don't get off the track on time for the renovation break, so that pushes it back. Yeah, I think he really likes his horses, because he has them out parading. He's the first one out there. You know, he's on his pony, and his assistant on leash, and they're circling them around waiting, and he knows it's going to be 10 minutes before the track open. So I think he likes how his horses are doing. If you want to handicap the people as much as the horses. Having said that, it'd be great stories if they went. I just don't know if they're not. Uh... But let's think about this. He's got Oxbow. How you met Farm under Brett Kelly now. They're taking it over. They've won more Derby than any owner. I think it's eight or something. And Gary Stevens, three-time winner. Unretired And can you imagine if a Lucas Stevens Calumet Farm Derby? It would be unbelievable,
2: and it would probably pay 50 bucks.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you're right. And then the other thing is, if his other horse will take charge, John Court, 52 years old. John Asher and I, you know, from Churchill, we were competing the other day would a Lucas Stevens combination be the oldest trainer-jockey combination to win? And it's the same as when Whittingham and Shoemaker won with Ferdinand at, like, 73 and 54, I think it was, whatever that adds up to be. So they said it's going to come down to when their birth months are, how many months. And I was doing a uh, you know horse-by-horse thing they'll run in Saturday's Curry Journal if I can shamelessly pitch. Uh, courier-journal.com slash com Racing. Uh, and um, the, where I like why they can win, why they can't, some factoids. And then typing this in, I realized John Court, who rides, will take charges 52. Wayne Lucas is 77. If that horse wins, it will be. We don't need to worry about months with Gary Stevens and Bill Shoemaker. It will be the oldest combination, which is I think, cool. And, you know, John Court, you know, I I
2: listened to him on an interview uh, last night. Uh, He pretty much got his reputation from winning on long shots.
3: He absolutely has. He's been a long shot his whole life. He's somebody who has literally willed himself to advance to the next level. I remember when I first, you know, kind of saw John Court, he was maybe 15th in the standings at the fairgrounds or something, and we're going way back here. And I'm going to Centennial Park and this and that. Then he shows up in Indiana when Indiana started having racing, and he's very intelligent. And He had, like, a plan to sort of, like, see what you can do in Indiana as a way to get to Kentucky. And really, I mean, dominated Indiana racing and then came to Kentucky and then, you know, won, like, Five Street titles or something like that at Ellis Park and, You know, got himself in the top 10 fixture at at Churchall. And I remember when he was riding at Keeneland and then would take a a, a charter plane to Hoosier Park to ride that evening and stuff. And he's, he's a really remarkable person. And I'm so happy for him. It's his second Derby mail. His first one was two years ago for Arch Arch for his father launching Spire. It had won the Kentucky Derby, and that didn't turn out so well. I mean, Archard got hurt on the first turn, and you know, never uh, you know, it's retired as a stallion at Spencer, I believe. But I'm really happy for him that he's getting another crack at the Kentucky Derby. Do I think Will Take Charge can win? Probably not. He's bucking a lot of history. He's never run as farther than a mile of 16. You go back to Mill Ground in like 1950 that a not run farther than a mile sixteenth before the Derby to win. and he in the happy. southwest,
2: so that that's going to hurt, Jenny. I'm probably coming up on about two minutes left, so I've got to pick your brain real quick. I'm sure it'll it'll appear in the Courier Journal uh, uh, tomorrow or Saturday. Who is Jenny's pick? Now that you
3: factor in and the I West. was on Orb ever since the Florida Derby. I was on Orb, so I'm not one of these people. But I've never seen such a groundswell of support. Rally, and this isn't just the buzz horse that never wins, this is just people seeing this horse and this, gra- and can the media be this, all this media be right? Uh We'll find out. I think we can. He's absolutely bred from on a quarter. I think he's going to improve off Gulfstream. He won three races at Gulfstream in spite of the track, not because of the track, and uh, so I'm looking for horses to play underneath him. Um people I really respect, really like, and he is visually impressive on the track, It's My Lucky Day, uh Revolutionary with Calvin Burrell. I think you gotta use. Um, you know people are talking about fact Daddy he'll be fifty to one pretending McTeague, And other people are talking about Java's war, for Mc yeah, the bluegrass winner that'll be big. So I, I gotta do a little more looking at those horses underneath but I think you go deeper in the Kentucky Oaks and you go in the Kentucky Derby this year.
2: That, really? Uh, well, give me a quick. Top, it looks like,
3: I, looks like I do have a couple
2: more minutes left. Give, give me your overview uh, on the Oaks. And uh, I don't know if you heard it or not, but Johnny V rode one race today and finished dead yeah. last in New York.
3: Finished, uh, yeah, right. And I, I mean, I'm thinking that's where it should be. Gay. not that he's, but he's very happy with Joel Rosario, who's leading the nation and nation wins Um But the Oaks. I take a stand against dreaming of Anna, and she's going to be the favorite and take a lot of money. I like the other horse, unlimited budget, Castellano from the, her stable name. Also, I like Mott a lot, close hatches. I think it could be a big weekend for the old, when I first started covering racing, the guys that were around here that cut their teeth and went on to bigger things, Hall of Fame careers, Bill Mott and Sugar McGahee, Um I think, I also think Sugar has a huge shot in the Woodford Reserve with point of entry to win. I love Wayne stand, but I just think that's a little tough. You know, a mile and eighth against a horse-like point of entry. I would, if you play in the, um, if you had to do a, you know, a single in the three race, the three grade one stakes that they have, that they do have a two-day bet of the Woodford Reserve, the Oaks, and the Derby, I would go with uh, point of entry, close hatches,
2: orbs. All right. Well, I think you're going to get a, a nice price with, with that victory. Well, Jenny, it looks like we're heading towards the the, the bottom of the hour. Th- thanks so much. I know you've been so busy. I've watched you in the media room all week long, and I just uh, you know I, I love uh, your, your your writing. And the, what what I like the most is that you've created such a relationship with all these horsemen that they trust you, and they're always uh, they're always open with you, and, and which just helps you write a great story.
3: Well. So we, we go back long, and you, you've been so kind to us and always helped us out in your various capacities. And and um, hey, maybe we can come up with some winners together. That'd be good.
2: It sounds good to me. All right, well, that's Jenny Reese with the Louisville Courier-Journal, uh, multiple Eclipse Award-winning writer. We're so happy to have her on Winning Ponies. We're going to take a little break, and hopefully when we come back, we're going to be with another award-winning writer. Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum.
1: You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you.
0: Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune in to Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports.
2: All right, with me right now, so blessed to have uh, Jay Privman, an award-winning writer and a uh, guy that, that, that does it all. He does, uh, he does television, he, he does writing, he writes books. Uh, I can't imagine uh, how busy he is this week. What I need to know, Jay, is are, are, you, are you writing stories, are you doing television, or are you in charge of driving Dr. Bramlage's golf cart? Fortunately, not the latter,
4: and um uh, you know hope, hopefully uh, everything's gonna be all right in that regard john but uh yeah no i i uh that was that was an unfortunate thing to learn about the injury suffered today, and hopefully everything's gonna work out there, but i'm yeah, no, no golf cars for me.
2: No, I mean, uh, you know, I've seen him for so many years, and he's he's added so much to the broadcast and, and educating the casual fan uh, on, you know, the the, the physical well-being of, of horses. I can't imagine that anybody would even expect to have a backup for Dr. Bromwich.
4: No, well, actually on the show today, uh Dr. Mary Scalet stepped in and was, you know, going to be – Always have somebody behind the scenes, and like we say to them before we start the show, thanks for coming over here, and we hope we don't need you. <laughs> but <laughs> they, the American Association of Equine Practitioners provides an invaluable service by shows because there's somebody they're called an on-call vet, and they're there on call. Should we need them? Unfortunately, today we didn't need the vet, but you know uh, there are times when we do, and they provide an invaluable service. But they're they're always there, but the only time you know that they're there is when we have to bring them out, and we always hope that we don't need to.
2: Well, as I as I spoke w- with, with Jenny, uh, or, or, who's uh, as respected writer as you are, you, you, this is pretty fertile ground, this Kentucky Derby. I mean, you've got some great story angles in here. I mean, it's a great race,
4: not just the story angles, but I think there's some top-class sources here. I mean, obviously, a lot of the focus the last couple weeks has been on – with the win streak that he's got going in there and what a great story that is with McGahee not having won a derby but it's not because it's, it's because it's something he doesn't focus on. I mean he lets his horses develop and uh, I was looking up, he's only won the Breeders Cup Juvenile once. So then I'll tell you what kind of emphasis he puts on trying to get horses ready for the Kentucky Derby. Um and then you go along with Doug O'Neill trying to win it for a second straight year, the rider of that horse Kevin Grigger trying to become the first black jockey since 1902 to win the race. Verrazano's undefeated, uh, and see if he can remain so with Todd Pletcher trying to win his second Kentucky Derby, and Todd's got a record time five entrants in the race. And obviously, I'm just scratching the surface of of the top contenders and storylines in this race. It runs a lot deeper than that. Even, you know, Calvin Burrell trying to win his fourth Derby with Revolutionary.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, while while we're touching that, that subject, um, we, uh, led the show with the National Weather Service report. I've got a feeling that, uh, that rain and the three hole and the fact that Revolutionary is one of the few horses in this 20 horse field that's won on an off track moves them up a couple lengths. I, I think you're right, John. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's,
4: it sounds very similar to what played out three years ago with Super Saver, a wind star horse, Calvin with an inside draw. Super Saver was in post four. Uh, revolutionary to go from post three. Todd Fletcher, like I said, Todd Fletcher, WinStar, Calvin, off track. I mean, could it happen twice for those connections? It's it's not impossible, and it's it's really interesting. There are there are so few horses in this field that have racing experience on and off track. Uh, but the the forecast is certainly pretty uh, pretty convincing that we're going to have an off
2: track on Saturday. Yeah, ab- absolutely, and, and as and as I, again, as I look through here, it's, it's very, uh, minimal, uh, on the ones that, that, that have raced, uh, uh, falling sky has won on an off track, as has giant finish. And should it help either of those two, it would be a huge trifecta, depending on who finished on top, uh, because those are two longer shots in the field. But let's go back a little bit and, and talk about, uh, the undefeated, uh, Verrazano, who, you know, a month ago, People were almost talking about him being invincible. And on the backstretch this week, uh, going up to scribes such as yourself, almost per person, they gave me another horse that they liked better than Verrazano.
4: Yeah, and I, I started sort of getting that sense a, a couple of weeks ago. And, in fact, I even uh, did a uh, wrote something on Twitter, and then Mike Watchmaker followed up on it in the racing form on, on his blog about how I had – and I, don't, I don't see how Verrazano is going to be the favorite because everybody says he's going to be the favorite, yet I can't find anybody who's picking him. And that doesn't mean he can't win. It was just like, who's your top pick? Uh, but you yeah, know, this is a 20 horse field. He's undefeated. Uh, I think the, I think some of the, shine on him was was dulled because even though he won the Wood Memorial, he didn't win it in as dazzling a fashion as he had in some of his previous races, but he was running against better horses, too. And the fact of the matter is, he still won the race. Uh, my concern with him is I'm just not convinced that a mile and a quarter is what he wants to do, but I do think the draw came up very good for him, because I do think he wants to be outside of other speed horses, and with Golden Sense and Falling Sky drawn inside of him, I think he's going to get the kind of trip that they would want him to get, and then we'll just have to see if he's good enough.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, at, at the draw, at least, my, my my analyst was the only two horses that really got hurt were uh, Black Onyx, because nobody wants the one hole since, I think, 1948, and Jack being uh, parked a bit farther outside than he'd like to be. Other than that, I think it's a pretty fair call for where the legitimate horses landed.
4: I think so. I mean, I don't know that the post was really going to affect Black Onyx all that much. Uh, you know, it's it's a little tougher for, I think, where he's drawn because he's going to have to just somehow work his way over. And it just seems to me like there's going to be a lot of horses that are going to be wanting to be around the same spot that he is when you get to the first turn, and there's there's the danger that he could get floated out pretty wide. But, you know, it's a good long quarter-mile run to the first turn for Garrett Gomez to get that left turn signal on and try and get himself over as far as he can.
2: Uh, well, with, with the weather, with the field, with what you've observed this week, uh, if uh, I handed you a $100 bill and sent you to the window – which I'm not going to do, Jay. Uh What would you Uh-oh. do? Oh, you're giving me 200? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your appearance fee. I'm winning ponies. <laughs> so you're giving I mean, me 100. dollars Go on. What was are, are there going to be? Would there be one or two you'd key on top, and then try to really get some prices on the bottom? Or you know, where where would you go with your bets? Hmm. I don't know. I hadn't really. Thought of that, I wouldn't want to just you know throw
4: a bet out off the top of my head. I think it's something you should take a little more seriously than that. But um, I mean, I'd probably put half of it to to win on Orb, and then I'd fool around in exotics with horses like him, Golden Sense, uh, Revolutionary, and it's my lucky day. And then my you know real long shot bombers. I did like the way Black Onyx trained here in in his final work. So you know maybe like. a, a trisecta with those five horses is in a in a in a box for uh, that's that's what $60 and then I'll put uh by by the 5x4x3 and I'll put the the remaining 40 on order to win. How's that for an off the top of my head uh, $100 wager?
2: It sounds pretty good. Now, uh, I'm probably putting the uh cart before the horse. Let's rewind a little bit uh to uh to tomorrow. Uh the weather report not quite as bad. It might come up a little uh, wet. Um We've got 11 horses uh, going in there. Most people feel that, uh, dreaming of Julia is the one, uh, the one to beat, but boy, there's some talented fillies in there that could knock the crown off her head.
4: You know, that, it's as good a, an Oaks as I've ever seen, John, and I've been, I've been coming to every Derby and Oaks since 1982. I mean, I can't remember a field that has so many top class fillies, several of whom are undefeated. All showing up in the same race like this. I mean, you you, you you could go six or seven deep here and still think you've got a shot. You know, based on her last race, dreaming of Julia the horse to beat. But I mean, her race before that, she got beat by Live Lively, and I mean, that race was was off the charts last time. But it 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 seems just almost like an outlier to me. It's like you know, where did it come from? And I'm not sure she can she can do it again. Um, so. I'm not saying she can't win. Obviously that'd be, you know, about as foolish a statement as you could make, but I, I just don't know if that last race is indicative that she's going to do something like that again. Uh, I think it's a real leap of, of faith. And, and so, you know, I, I, I think there's others in here that have a good chance, including, you know, one of Pletcher's other fillies. I, I think Unlimited Budget is going to run a huge race. and. You know, being from California and having seen Midnight Lucky, I realize she's only got two starts, and she's certainly giving up a lot of experience to to the, all of her rivals. But she's freaky good, uh, and and it would not surprise me if she won the race. Um, she's got just a, a ton of natural talent.
2: Well, I was down in the paddock today, and I saw a Richard Mandela come over with Beholder, and I swear you could have put a grenade underneath that horse, and she wouldn't have turned a hair. Uh, the the uh, the connection between Mandela and Beholder—it was—it was a thing of beauty to see how they just communicated with one another and how cool, calm, and collected she is. But she, she wears the gate dancer earmuffs. Do you know the story behind that? Uh, yeah, I don't know why they've started
4: using the earmuffs on her. Uh, you know, she, uh, obviously it's to try to keep her a little calm. I mean, Mandela is a great trainer. I mean, he's—he's—he uh, he, he is really a, 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 a world class trainer. He's already in the Hall of Fame. And Beholder was the champion two year old filly and you know, beat Dreaming of Julia in fact in, in the Breeders' Cup. My concern with Beholder is that I really don't think a mile and an eighth is what she wants to do. I think it's getting to the outer limits of, of her best distance and so that's why there were others that I mentioned earlier that I ranked a little bit higher than her. I mean if the race was a little bit shorter or if there wasn't quite as much pace as it looks like there might be, uh, I, I think she'd have a better chance. But I just don't like the way the race comes up for her. To...
2: Well, she, she was she was a a, a real specimen. I just had, had to make that comment. I mean, she uh, she she really is a, a, a beautiful horse, and I know that you you've got to see her uh, race out there on, on the on the West Coast. Uh, one one last uh, question, because uh, we're probably up against the clock. Is is Golden sense. Um, I, you know, I, I, I just think that, that horse really hurt himself uh, getting in that uh, speed duel with Flashback in the San Felipe, and I thought the Santa Anita Derby was a thing of beauty.
4: It, it was certainly a better race, but the thing that I think helped him in that race, John, is that he was outside the other speed horse, and I think it helped him relax. And I'm not sure that the draw came up advantageous to him, Tomorrow. I mean, he has to go from where he is because he's inside Falling Sky and Verrazano. And maybe that'll, you know, they'll just clear and, and they'll try and go wire to wire with him. But I think if he gets pace pressure, I mean, real legitimate pressure with horses right with him, and those horses are coming from the outside of him, my instinct is that he's not going to like that. So I think he needs to clear. That, to, to have his best chance and then it's, well, are you going too fast? I, I, I think of all the top contenders to me, the draw is a little bit more intriguing for him than, than the others. Whereas opposed, like if he switched posts with Verrazano, I, I, I'd, I'd like him a little better.
2: Well, Jay, thanks so much, uh, for, for your insights on, on the Derby and the Oaks. i look forward to, uh, to seeing you tomorrow and, uh, always, always enjoy, uh, reading your articles and, uh, I just uh, I wish you the best, and uh, thanks so much for being with us on Winning Ponies. Always
4: good to be with you, John, and enjoy your Big Mac. <laughs>
2: thanks a lot. This is Jay Fredman from the Daily Racing Forum, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, hopefully we'll be with another Racing Forum guy and the guy Dan Hillman. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
1: internet flagship station for sports
2: voice america sports and they're off
1: what Now back to winning ponies with John Engelhart.
2: All right, and with me now a, a gentleman that uh, he's the stagecoach driver of the handicappers with the Daily Racing Form. His name is Dan Illman, an uh, outstanding journalist and an excellent handicapper. And we're kind of like we said, we went we went from coast to coast. We took Jay Privman from the West Coast. We got uh, Jenny Reese from the heart of America, and now we're kind of getting the East Coast view of this year's
5: kentucky derby and oaks dan ilman how you doing my friend doing great Sean. it's always a pleasure to do the show thanks for having me on
2: well happy to have you on and uh you know you're you're uh, you're third up at, at bat again behind uh uh jenny and jay who had some great insights into this race uh one thing that i uh, approach both of them with and, and i'll hit you with too is doesn't this year's edition have just some great storylines the fact that there's not
5: one or two horses and 18 also ran. No, this is a very deep edition of the Kentucky Derby. I mean, and you do have the storylines. You have Mr. Lucas here with a couple of horses. You've got the up and coming Chad Brown. There's a story in the fact that there's no Bob Baffert. You've got the undefeated Verrazano. Mr. Patino has 5% of a horse. It's a, it's a fascinating Derby. There are so many contenders in this race. It's not like you can just say, you know, you can throw half the field out. I think you can make a legitimate case for seven or eight of these horses. Absolutely, you can. Now, again, you being in New York,
2: I understand that John Velasquez, his horse was scratched yesterday, and today his horse ran dead last. Do you think that there's, there's a, a factor there at all, or you just think it's a fickle finger of fate that he had a bad ride today and he'll be just fine
5: over the weekend? I'm going to trust in Verrazano, and I'm going to trust in John Velasquez. I, I think that Johnny's job on Verrazano is to steer you get him out of the gate get him in a good position I know the camp is very happy with the post position I understand that a lot of fans are concerned about this. If you remember when Ramon Dominguez is currently sidelined with an injury, came back from an injury last year. He was in a terrible slump when he first came back, and many folks thought he returned too quickly from injury. I'm just going to trust in John to do the right thing here. I don't think he would come back and and, and hurt Verrazano's chances if he was too injured to compete. Uh, I think it was a coincidence. I think he was just on a bad horse today.
2: Now, um, I'm sure that you've had your uh, finger on the pulse of the Weather Channel. Uh, has that, in fact, uh, influenced Dan Ilman's handicapping of the 139th Kentucky Derby?
5: I think a little bit, but as it pertains to the weather in Churchill Downs, it looks like we're going to have a wet track. I would advise all handicappers just to watch the races at the beginning of the day, see how the track is playing. Maybe it's playing intensely speed-favoring. You can, you can then upgrade some horses with confidence uh, that like to go to the front. Conversely, if horses are coming from behind and horses on the inside aren't doing well or horses on the lead aren't doing well, you can make some adjustments. That's the great thing about not having to handicap this race seventy two to 96 hours in advance and put your picks out there. The rain always is going to affect some things. Uh, Some of these, many of these horses have never raced on a wet track. We have no idea how they're going to handle it. You might want to upgrade horses like It's My Lucky Day and Revolutionary, horses that have performed well previously on wet going. Absolutely. alluded to that
2: earlier. Uh, In particular, uh, Revolutionary, it almost seems like deja vu all over again with with a wind star horse, and off-track,
5: Calvin the, dr- uh, Burrell drawing near the rail. It's kind of eerie. It is kind of eerie, and it's amazing that they keep giving Calvin the rail, and if they keep giving it to him, he's going to take it every single time. And Revolutionary is one of the most naturally talented horses in this race. The argument could probably be made that Verrazano is the most naturally talented. But the things we've seen Revolutionary do, from that big-figure fast maiden win to that terrible, terrible trip that he won in his final New York prep to a much more professional and stylish performance in his most recent start at the fairgrounds, this is a good horse and all he has to do is avoid some trouble. He is prone to getting into trouble, but boy he's got Calvin at Churchill Downs in the inside post. Uh, it could be deja vu all over again for the Windstar folks and Todd. You know, uh with with both of my previous guests, there's a horse uh whose name has not
2: come up who I actually really like, uh, particularly in watching him train over the last several days and it's a horse that I know you're familiar with because he's run every race in New York but one, and that's Normandy Invasion. What's your reading on this Tappet Colt?
5: Big fan of this horse. Uh, I think he has the pedigree to handle an off track. He's one of the horses I'm certainly going to be using heavily in my multi-race wagers. I hope the morning line sticks to where it is. I believe he's 12 to 1. Chad Brown at the beginning of this year, after the horse ran so well in the Remsen, a big 99 buyer speed figure, that's very good for a two-year-old, his plan was only two races with a natural progression. He was worried about the points. After his first start back in which the horse had tr- a tremendous amount of trouble, for a few seconds it looked like he wasn't going to get in. He improved by leaps and bounds in the Wood Memorial most recently and Chad Brown is one of the bright lights of the training game. He has Normandy Invasion primed, third start of the form cycle, training very well over this track. All this horse needs is a little race and pace look because he likes to come from off of the uh, the pace, but I think he is a major contender on Saturday.
2: Absolutely I do and uh, there won't be any tickets I have that will not have uh... Tim on it for sure. Um, I you know from being on on the backstretch and in the press box at, at, at Churchill this week, um, it, it seems to me that, that um, most of your contemporaries are, are leaning towards Orb as the one to beat right now.
5: Oh, I think the way Orb has been training, he's just knocked everyone's socks off that has seen him at Churchill Downs, and he's such a consistent runner with a pedigree that leans toward a mile and a quarter. He's won his last four races, a perfect three-for-three three with Lasix. Let's be honest, he's going to be an underlay if he goes off at seven to two or four to one. Any horse, I think, in this race is an underlay at that price, but he might be the most consistent battle-tested runner that you don't have to worry about as it pertains to fitness and a distance. He's already won twice at a mile and and 8th. And again, he has that pedigree. Orb, like Norman the Invasion, is going to be on many of my multi-race tickets. Uh, If I'm alive and I have Orb, I'm going to be very, very pleased. I just don't think he is a great bet at a short price in a 20-horse deep field like this year's Derby, but he is certainly a legitimate and logical contender. Um, The
2: horse that was getting a a
5: lot of attention uh, recently is It's My
2: Lucky Day. Now, or beat him in in the Florida Derby. Um,
5: Why are so many people seeing an upside, It's My Lucky Day, do you know? I think a lot of folks believe that Eddie Pleaser, after this horse ran two triple-digit buyer speed figures, stamping himself as one of the fastest horses of this crop, A lot of folks might have figured that he backed off a little bit of It's My Lucky Day. you will notice a layoff line. He skipped one of the major preps in Florida to run in the Florida Derby. And maybe he didn't want It's My Lucky Day to peak too soon. I think the folks that are backing It's My Lucky Day are banking on the fact that maybe he ran a horse that was 90% in the Florida Derby and that he can improve. He has great tactical speed, a wonderful post position, a proven track record on a wet track. I'm just not so sure a mile and a quarter is really his best game. Lawyer Ron did run well at a mile and a quarter, but he was more of a mile and an eighth horse, and the bottom of this pedigree is more middle distance. He's a good, solid horse. I'm just going to try to beat him. If he beats me, I'm going to tip my cap to Eddie, please, and it's my lucky day. Great connections and a solid horse, but he's not on my tickets. Well, Dan, thanks so much for your input and for being on Winning Ponies.
2: I can uh, hear my producers saying, John, it's about time you kind of – Closed things up and went inside and got yourself a Big Mac at the McDonald's you're parked at. So, Dan, I appreciate you being on. Have a great uh, Derby and Oaks weekend, and I hope to have you back on the show soon.
5: I really appreciate it, John. Go Golden Sense. All right.
2: Go Golden Sense. Absolutely. Looks great on the track in the morning, by the way. I um, hope he looks
5: great on Saturday.
2: All right. That's Dan Hellman from the Daily Racing Forum. I want to thank Jay Privman and Jenny Reese. And I want to remind everybody that Winning Ponies has given out the trifecta in the last two Kentucky Derbies. So make sure you go to winningponies.com and pull down their easy trip sheets. You might be going to the cash window when the day is done. So thanks a lot to my producer, Dee, uh, to uh, Jay, Dan, and Jenny. Everybody, have a great Derby Day. This is John Engelhardt for Winning Ponies.